0: Nobody who watched that trailer is thinking, oh, I'm going to get, like, a slow rumination on good and evil and forgiveness and, like, whether you can atone for your sins, right? Nobody wanted that. Like, nobody thought that when they walked in. But getting kind of barreled over the head by it is just interesting. I, I dug it.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 520 with a review of Bad Times at the El Royale. I'm Christopher Shnazy.
0: And I'm Stephen Miller.
1: And for joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this week, we're going to have a few reviews for you. We're going to have this review of Bad Times at the El Royale. We're going to have a review of First First Man. Man. And then also we're going to throw in an extra review. Um, We got to check out If Bill Street Could Talk over at the Mill Valley Film Festival. So we're going to do a little review for that for you as well. Um, So stay tuned to that. Um, But yeah, here we are talking about this film, Bad Time at the El Royale. And, uh, you know, Stephen, you do a lot of traveling. Um, You spend a lot of time in hotels around the world. Sure do. when you're checking into a ho- hotel, th- if you're listening to this, you've at least seen the trailer for the film or you know what the film is about. Um, it's about a hotel. And in this hotel, there's some shenaniganry that's going on behind the scenes, literally, in this film. Um, how often do you check into a hotel a hotel, and like go... Are there cameras behind this mirror? Is there this is a two-way mirror? What's going on? Like, do so, you ever get creeped out when you're traveling? Um first
0: this is awkward. I just realized I watched Hotel Transylvania 3 by the
1: <laughs> Is that the one on the cruise ship?
0: I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't I don't think about it. I tend to be a trusting person in all things. Like there are all sorts of privacy related issues that if I thought pessimistically about it, I would be terrified, right? There's so many things I do in the world that, like, could be used negatively if, like, a person is spying or a person is, like, secretly using things for nefarious purposes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, no, I, I, I don't think about it. I tend to imagine that hotels are private, and I, I tend to, like, live under the assumption that, like, if they're not private you know, they're going to like this less than me. <laughs> like, whatever they see is not going to be pleasant.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, in, in this film, it's, it, it is like a little motel, yeah. and the the crawl spacer, I don't know, the the spying space, is kind of behind this back wall. And I think at most hotels that you stay at normally, um, there are other patrons on the other yep. side of the wall that you can hear in those hotel yeah, rooms. Yeah. So it's kind of easy to tell that, like, there, there might still be recording devices or cameras put around uh, You know, if you stay in some te- right. like hotel. There's definitely from... bugs
0: of some variety of <laughs>
1: shapes. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you're probably safe. Yeah, it's one of those things where like, I don't think about it until I do think about it. And then once I think about it, I can't stop thinking about yeah. it. Um, but for the most part, I'm pretty trusting as well, going into hotels and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but who knows? This is a crazy world.
0: Now, hostels, that's a different
1: situation. <laughs> I mean... There's, n- there's not even things for people to hide behind. They're just hanging around you when you're sitting in a hostel, so you know they're watching you.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Good banter. We <laughs>
1: well, that sums up our thoughts on hotels' creepiness. Um, but yeah, what do you say we get into this review, Stephen? Let's do it. All right, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Bad Times at the El Royale. Um, is it Bad Time or Bad Times?
0: I think it's Bad Times at the El Royale, but we will... Yes, Bad Times at the El Royale. Okay, Bad
1: Times at the El Royale. We're going to play that trailer, and we're going to come back and let you know what we thought. The El Royale is a bi-state establishment. You have the option to choose a room in either California or Nevada. How'd you end up at the El Royale? There is Carlton's book. This place used to be hustling and bustling. Old Dean even sang a song about it once. This is not a place for a priest, Father. You shouldn't be here. We might need to work on your sales pitch, son. <laughs> the El Royale, no place for a priest. I think you're gonna stay. Lonely nights that come, memories that flow, you. watching watch me? I only watch who they tell me to watch. Who's they? Management. Baby, it's mine Would you mind opening up the door? No, I ain't gonna do that. We have to get as far away from him as possible.
0: Howdy.
1: I'm not really a priest. Yeah. No shit. All right, so that was the trailer for Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh, it is a film of uh, a bunch of patrons uh, arrive on the same night to this, uh, you know, it's a little, um, it's almost like a tourist trappy motel. It's yeah. sort of, the theme of the hotel is that, like, you're right on the border of Nevada and California, and you can stay in the Nevada side or the California yeah, side. I guess
0: it's, like, in Tahoe or Truckee or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's somewhere a out, little outside of Reno, right? Close enough as is a bus ride away from Reno. Yeah. Um, but uh, basically all these people arrive and they kind of all have their own story of shenaniganry that's going on. And they're all sort of just kind of thrown into this one place for this one moment of time. And uh, we kind of follow each of these patrons uh, to figure out where they were before they arrived there and how all their stories intersect. Uh, so Stephen Miller, what did you think of this film?
0: Um, so... I, I should mention, I don't have many preconceived notions about Drew Goddard. I know for a lot of people, like, him making this movie is a big part of the reason that they would see it. Like, I'm aware they're fans of his from, like, Lost and The Martian and Cabin in the Woods, especially. And, like, I, I understand he's somewhat a cult filmmaker in the sense that, like, people will go out and see a thing if his name is on it. I did not have any expectations based on that at all. To me, yeah. from the trailer, if anything, I had fairly negative expectations. It kind of seemed <laughs> like. This is going to be rip-off Tarantino. You know, this is going to be tarantino light. This is going to be, like, the Hateful Eight. No, it
1: it is, like, basically the exact plot of the Hateful Eight, just set more modern.
0: Yeah, exactly. This is going to be the Hateful Eight, and wackiness is going to unfold. And, by the way, the runtime is very long. Yeah. Um,
1: It's going to have a little bit of haberdashery. Yeah.
0: And I I, I was seeing it at, like, a 10.30 p.m. showing on Friday, and I was tired, like, walking into the screening. Yeah. So I was not expecting a good time at all uh, the crowd only made it worse i was surrounded by like a bunch of high schoolers who i can only imagine got amc a-list and now just see everything whether or not they're going to like it and just like talk to their girlfriend the whole time during it yeah because uh, that was definitely what everyone in my row was doing um, <laughs> but i really 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 like this movie actually i it took a little bit of time to get going i think if you expect this to be like Tarantino you know which is definitely what the trailer looks like it is slower than you would imagine it to be like (laughs) it it doesn't have that high it doesn't have that kind of hyper stylized viewpoint it isn't like giddily nihilistic it's not like dialogue that you just like chew on right like it this is a movie that is taking its time presenting different characters and then slowly revealing their past until it like kind of builds into this climactic event uh, that takes place and i i don't know maybe like i'm a th- i'm a sucker for themes that seem vaguely spiritual or religious like themes of redemption and salvation and whether you're too far gone and what does that mean but i thought this movie was closer to like a magnolia or a calvary to me almost where magnolia in its it has like sudden uses of music that are like i thought very beautiful and kind of jarring and out of nowhere um, and it 's this idea of like all these characters tracing different moral arcs that are going to collide at some point, and we 're just here to watch that collision almost like we 're just watching like a long play unfold right with a bunch of characters, and we 're wondering, okay, they all got their monologues, they all got to tell a little bit about their backstory now, what is going to happen in the final few moments um, and Calvary is another comparison that I kind of had in my head, and not just because Jeff Bridges sort of reminds me of <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not Donal. I almost said Donal. Um, but also it's just it had that kind of brooding darkness where it felt like I am I am thinking about what makes someone beyond saving, and like what, how would people behave in their worst or in their most uh, troubled or confronted, and. I just thought it was really cool. I think I'm realizing I'm someone now where one or two really memorable scenes are enough for me to love a movie. And in this one, uh, like this definitely had at least that. I think my favorite scene was probably the moment that you mentioned when the character walks behind all the hotel rooms and is kind of walking through things as if you were just, I I don't even know how to explain it. It, It's like he's walking by a bunch of TV screens and seeing, like, different scenarios unfolding. Yeah, yeah. And then he turns...
1: Snapshots of these individuals' existence within this time frame.
0: Yeah, and then he turns on the audio um, in Cynthia Arrivo's room, and she is doing this, like, amazing a cappella singing by herself. And for... A number of minutes, he's just walking around while all we hear is her a cappella singing. And th- th- that was just, like, chill-inducing to me. I loved that. Like, that was when I started loving the movie. And from then on out, I was pretty much sold on it just because, like, <laughs> just don't screw it up now because, you you know, you did that already. Yeah. Um And, yeah, I don't know. I just I had a good time with it. It was a very, like, slow, brooding movie. It isn't overly clever. It definitely isn't, like, nihilistic in the Tarantino way. I think it was more, like tracing grand arcs and just trying to like give them room to breathe and i, I had fun with it I, yeah i don't know i, I enjoyed it
1: <laughs> um yeah so I, I also didn't really have that that much expectations for the film I and mean, it, it seemed like it could be fun um to like tell my backstory of seeing this film i was going to see this on thursday night and uh ended up leaving the office a little later than i expected to uh, attempted to walk to the theater uh did not make it in time Canceled my reservation, because you can do that with AMC, Stubbs, A-List. Um, and I was like, I'll see it later. Um, at that point, we hadn't even decided, or we hadn't even really found out about the... Uh the film festival yet, I don't think. Um, and we hadn't decided to see if Bill Street can talk yet. Um, but once we had decided that, I was like, oh, maybe I won't even see this movie. <laughs> um, I was like, we got another, enough stuff on the dock. I was like, ah, fine, I'll go see it. Um, so I went and I checked it out just because like some other plans fell through on something. And I, I think that this film, it the entire film is like straddling this line between like being potentially very good or clever and just falling flat. And I think that like the film teeters on it almost like a, uh, what's Thor's name? Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah. Chris Hemsworth, like Chris Hemsworth, like doing like a little weird dance and like walking on the line between, uh, the two States. Yeah. Um, the, the film does that. Right. And it, it kind of doesn't care what side it falls on. And I, I appreciate that lack of caring of keeping you interested. Mm-hmm. Right. It shows like at least some sort of, um, uh I I don't I don't know what uh to me it felt like like I was getting one
0: over on the dumb high schoolers who were next to me who like about 20 minutes in realized they were not going to like this movie. Yeah yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> yes.
1: But 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 it, it it it's confident it's not that it's confident filmmaking, it's confident in just telling the story that it wants to 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 do. And and there are things I appreciate about this film. Overall, I think it didn't necessarily work for me. Um I think that uh the there like there's not a lot of this isn't like a a like snatch or lock stock type of thing where like these people completely separate worlds are suddenly thrust into this one thing that all overlaps it's just a bunch of people staying at a hotel and like the hotel happens to be a super shady hotel like there's no clever connecting of these people it's just people existing in one place during one point in time where things go weird um and i think that there are there are moments that like I, i would kind of dip in and out of watching the film i'd be like oh I'm kind of tired and I'm not enjoying this very much at all. And then like a moment would kind of peak up and I'd be like, all right, cool. This is kind of fun. I like these characters. Basically like anytime a character who is in a place of weakness, like momentarily gains the upper hand in a yeah. situation was, it, it, it was, there's one in
0: particular that is like my second favorite <laughs> moment in the movie.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like there's lots of moments where you're like, Oh, okay. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. I'm a, with a you. Kind
0: of a shattering moment, if you will.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, so th- there are great moments like that that kind of like, oh, make me perk up and kind of go like, okay, cool, I'm here, I'm with you again, uh, keep me going. And then it would just kind of like lull out again. And I think that there, there are a lot of things where they're, they're purposely withholding information about what's going on, um, like the, the, the woman who has the daughter, or, or not the daughter, the, the, the w- woman who has the, like, the younger girl yeah, locked, locked in character. a chair. Yeah, like the dialogue they're having with each other, is purposely ambiguous to make you assume a bunch of things about the role of those characters. And then the way that scene resolves, it's just like, well, why were they even. Like, there, there's a lot of things that just don't make sense about these characters. And it feels like the film is trying to misdirect you in ways that don't actually pay off. They're just like withholding information until later when characters can make confessions when they're all sat around one table, you know? And I think that it's. It's an interesting film, what it's trying to do. The environment of the film is very, very creepy, yeah. <laughs> right? Just the, being at that hotel and the weirdness of that hotel. Uh, it, it has some sort of um, level of intrigue there, but I just think for me, it, it sort of dangled it out there too long, and I just got tired of chasing it to try to stay involved with the film, and ultimately, it just kind of it, it fell a little flat for me.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that. And I wouldn't begrudge anyone for finding this flat because it is, what I respect about it is also what could definitely turn people away, which is, as you said, the filmmaker does not care to keep you interested, right? Yeah. He is dangling things. He's making things very elusive, more just to have ambiguity that can be paid off than to actually make it make sense in that world. Uh, one example that I really liked is throughout the movie, there's this piece of film that is, like, very damning for one figure. And the movie purposely never shows you that film and never utters the name of the person who it is. I I, I can assume uh, RFK, just given, like, the time, that, that that's yeah. probably what it is. But, it, but anyway, th- there are things like that that it, it's just, like, a confidence of saying, I'm going to hold back because I want something to be, like, elusive or mesmerizing to you, and I care more about that than I do about grabbing your attention and i think this movie is really rewarding for people who choose to stay absorbed even when it's kind of lulling you because those those sudden jolting moments where things do collide and events do happen I, i don't know how to explain it it's kind of like if it were a long anthology series right and like every one of those moments is like a few episodes later and those Big build-up moments, those kind of like Mad Men events, where occasionally a real thing happens, and the rest of the time it's kind of just soaking in the texture. Yeah. When you get in that headspace, it is a really cool place to be, and it's hard to like define why, unless you just happen to be in it already. Um, Like I also thought the relationship between Dakota Johnson and her sister. There are events that they refer to that are occasionally very briefly flashed back to, so much that like you couldn't really say with absolute certainty what happened. And then there are other interconnected things like news stories that we hear talked about on television that are never directly tied to that, but you just like are wrapped up in this feeling that, yeah, these are like the different parallel lines that are intersecting. And All I can say is I, I imagine this being like a play on a wide stage that is mostly darkly lit. And, like, the set is really sparse, and, like, a spotlight will pop in one part of the stage. Yeah. And that's, like, one hotel room, and the character's singing, and then another spotlight will open up, and a character is, you know, digging or doing something. And I, there was just something very uh, cool about that to me. I like it. And I like that it took that much of a runtime to, like, make me soak in it. Yeah, uh, A comparison that maybe you'll agree with, because this one also didn't rub you the right way. Uh, that I wanted to make is The Sopranos, actually. (laughs) Because The Sopranos, it is a thing where people who saw that it existed, you know, it's, like, turn-of-the-century movie about gangsters, right? Uh, Like, movie about mafia people. They think, oh, this is going to be another, like, Tarantino or another Scorsese. This is going to be some, like, riotous, violent thing where we're just reveling in the bloodshed. And instead, that is a show that, like, for 30 to 40 minutes in any given episode, you are just watching, like, someone being pensive going through life while, like, vaguely religious allegories are happening to them. And, it, like, like it was a show that kind of cared about high th- concepts way more than caring about what people would have wanted out of a yeah, show yeah. like that just from watching the trailer. And this felt like that to me, too, where this is, like, nobody who watched that trailer is thinking, oh, I'm going to get, like a slow rumination on good and evil and forgiveness and, like, whether you can atone for your sins, right? Nobody wanted that. Like, nobody thought that when they walked in, but getting kind of barreled over the head by it is just interesting. I I dug it.
1: I will say, though, like, Chris Hemsworth is the only character, or the only actor who is acting in the movie that the trailer sold. Yes. Um, He is in the Hateful Eight movie. (laughs) Yeah, like, he, he... He is doing a character that that his character has the strangeness and the sort of silliness um, that the um, that 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 the trailer kind of sold, and I think everyone else is a mixture of like straight characters and like just heightened of one emotion type of person or like one character arc.
0: They definitely snap into and out of it, like Louis Pullman, uh, Bill Pullman's son, who plays the um, the. Mm Hotel bellhop, yeah, guy. I guess. yeah. Uh, he he seems very much like a caricature at the beginning of the movie, right? Yeah. Or at least like a character who is only there to like add texture to the hotel and not really to be his own person.
1: He does add a lot of texture to the hotel. <laughs> he,
0: sure, he sure does. <laughs> um, but but anyway, throughout throughout the movie, he kind of like he returns again and again, and it is in a heightened way. It is not in a realistic way. Like yeah. the way the events unfold in this movie are not realistic at all. But the seeing him like come back again and again and mean something slightly different each time was pretty cool experience, to me. Yeah,
1: I, and, and I think too that all of the characters that interact through Jeff Bridges are the best parts of this film. Yes, definitely. Um, not that's not to say that Jeff Bridges himself is the best part of this film, but he is like an anchor that sort of connects a few different spokes to this wheel. And I think that all of the like the the rapport of those those uh actors all working together like amounted to like some of the best parts of this film Mm. um and then the sort of peripheral characters some of who are dispatched earlier in the film (laughs) um sort of are just there to add more strangeness to the location but not to the group as a whole um and i think that that that, that's that's one of the things that i sort of like you know if this was a I don't know. I feel like there's not a lot of mystery around the hotel itself, even though the hotel is the thing that's supposed to be crazy and strange, right? I mean, Um, even the
0: conceit of the hotel doesn't play out the way you think it would, because you think from the beginning, there's a line, there's the California side and the Nevada side. Something is going to happen with regards to this line, right? Like different stuff is going to happen on either end, or it'll be a metaphor where one is the good side and one is the bad side, or one is choosing evil and one is choosing goodness, right? And it like. It basically leaves that line there, and then it doesn't go any of the obvious routes of, like, what is this going to symbolize? They're just like, nope, that, that's just a fact about the hotel. But We're that, all in Nevada. <laughs>
1: that's, that's the whole point of the film. There is no good or evil, Steve. It's just about deciding yeah. what you want to decide, and that's who you are.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it just all blurs together in the end. Um,
1: Let's have a tussle. <laughs>
0: one one thing it reminded me of, that that scene in particular where the person is walking around behind the uh, one-way mirrors while yeah. uh the character is singing her song is I did this thing uh with Joanna maybe six months ago, uh, called the Palace Theater, which was a like kind of immersive play that took place in a speakeasy in San Francisco. Yeah. And you go there and there's basically there's a few different rooms. There's like the the I don't know the showroom and the casino and the bar. And there are actors who are just sitting in all of those areas who are doing their period recreation and they're acting out different events, like different relationship fights and things like that. And you can't possibly see all of them at once. So you're just getting like little glimmers as you go from room to room. And most of the time it would be very plausible and realistic. And then occasionally something would break into being fantastical and like the lights would dim and, like, a character would be in a spotlight, and they suddenly are, like, transported 30 years into the future, and they're, like, in a completely different place. And that was, like, a very mysterious, interesting thing to me, like, this feeling of, like, being lulled into one place and then having it occasionally jump into high concept. Yeah. And one of my favorite bits of that place, just to get back to the movie, was when you were walking in between the rooms, there would be these areas where there's glass... And you're looking through a window that is supposed to be a mirror, and you're watching like little sub plays go on in like the dressing room or in like the makeup room, play- like places like that. And you would see little snippets of an argument happening that you couldn't really access. You would just kind of like feel it happening in front of you. Yeah. And th- I don't know. This brought me back to that, so that <laughs> might be part of why I liked it.
1: So I, I will say, like that—that's sort of the thing that, like, uh, when all the characters to start, like. When, when characters start to see behind the curtain of, of this hotel, uh, motel, they – just it, it's just a joke where everybody's like, what is this, some sort of pervert hotel? Yeah. Um, and I think that the weirdness sort of exists in this world where, like, people don't care that it's weird. They just, like, want to comment on the fact that it's sort of pervy. But there, there isn't time spent – this isn't people trapped in a location. No. This is people just sort of like, well, that's pretty – yeah, this, this is like weird. clue or something. Yeah, this yeah. Isn't,
0: this isn't a trap. It's a. But no,
1: it's but not, it's even not like, a mystery either. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not, like, not a mystery at all. Yeah. Like, like there's only one character who's trying to figure out what was going on in the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Mr. Know Body doesn't up. last that long. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, 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 it's it's an interesting thing where it's like the trailer sort of prepares you for like more of a more of a mystery about what is going on here and that's not what this movie's about yeah which is fine um that's not like a complaint It's just it's an interesting thing of like the way it's sort of this build-up of like how creepy is this thing but that's just one character's point of view is how creepy is this place and what's going on
0: i think it's kind of like if you if you shoved all of lost into one feature runtime so like at the beginning lost seemed like this is going to be about the mystery you know and there's flashbacks to all the characters and where they originally were and that's going to slowly reveal itself and characters will gain profundity and there's going to be some religious symbolism but like it's mostly going to be about mysteries but then by yeah. the end it's like no fuck the mystery actually we got nothing um
1: But all all those mid, mid seasons were like this is this character this is this character's episode and it's just right. all about how they got to the island yeah. and where they're going to try to go after the island or whatever Yeah um, and
0: and this kind of just felt like that drawn to an extreme where it's like we're not going to dangle the mystery anymore like you already know that this isn't necessarily leading anywhere we're just going to like reveal all these characters and what it means is going to be like their own personal redemption or salvation you know for each person who comes into the hotel they have something different that they're trying to get out of it in the end yeah yeah also i do want to say that this has been a very like late 60s, early 70s weekend of watching movies, <laughs> not only the three movies we're reviewing are all set in that like turn of the 70s period, uh, but Roma, the movie I saw at Mill Valley Film Festival that we won't be reviewing, is also set in the 70s. So I feel like, I don't know, all movies are set in the 70s now.
1: <laughs> we're stuck, it's just a parallel dimension. And
0: and on that last plane ride, I watched Chappaquiddick and um, <laughs> Borg vs. <versus> McEnroe. <laughs> nice. Yeah.
1: Cool. I'm into it well uh should we get to verdict steven mm-hmm. all right steven miller if you were going to give us a must see recommend with a caveat wait for rental pass with the caveat or must avoid what would you give it
0: i'm feeling generous i'm gonna go with must see must see i know like <laughs> i know this isn't perfect this is very deliberately slow and when i compare it to certain movies i saw this weekend that were deliberately slow and i thought like masterfully done um this is not masterful, you know, but I like the exercise a lot and I like, I really enjoyed it. And I don't think there's enough new movies that come out that like put me in that headspace, that Calvary headspace of like, here's the priest. Let me see everyone one by one, like reveal their kind of dark past to that person. And I'm not going to try to solve a mystery. I'm just going to enjoy like the vibe of him floating around talking to people. Yeah. And th- this definitely gave that to me.
1: We'll but say, your,
0: your mileage may vary very yeah. heavily.
1: <laughs> this film could have used Littlefinger putting a cigarette out in the heart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, I – like I said, I, I just was not – are you entertained? <laughs> I was not entertained by this film. I was intrigued during given moments. Um, but I think that for me, it just didn't have enough to draw me in to keep me going. So I, I'm going to leave it at a, at a wait for rental. Yeah. Um, as Stephen said, mileage may vary on this film. It may be kind of exciting to you. But it just, for me, it sort of didn't work. And uh, Chris Hemsworth is creepy as hell.
0: <laughs> I, I really like the flashbacks with him, though. The kind of, like, culty flower children past that they The, have. the
1: weird, like, super... Yeah, it was it, I. It was very uncomfortable. <laughs>
0: I mean, he's no Javier Bardem, but still.
1: <laughs> he's definitely in a weird sex cult. Yeah. <laughs> um
0: oh i really liked by the way there there's a line that cynthia arrivo gives um at a point in this movie about like yeah i know the type already it's one of those guys that talks and talks because he wants to hear himself speak and eventually he believes it when really it's just like a ploy to try to have sex with women yeah i thought like burn girl
1: (laughs) cool um well i think that is gonna do it for this review of bad times at the el royale um, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that?
0: People can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com.
1: People can find me at com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at com, where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to subscribe to us, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Um, if you'd like to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash warning or like us at Facebook.com slash warning If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at warning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack Track to Bad Times at the El Royale, so hopefully you are enjoying that. Um, Yeah, that is the episode. We're going to take off and bring you a review of First Man, so get ready for that. Um, We're going to start our countdown and uh, take off in just a bit. (laughs) So...